All right, it's 2.03 p.m. It's time for the Soul Serenade. I want to thank Miss Smalls and all her extraordinarily special guests for a very special edition of the New Orleans Music Show. And now we're getting ready for a very special edition of the Soul Serenade. I'm going to have three of my all-time heroes join us today. In the studio with us today, we have one of the greatest men of American music, a career that spans 50-plus years to the origins of everything we know as blues, rock and roll, rhythm and blues, the great Bobby Rush. How you doing, Mr. Rush? <laughs> you go get Jim Rush? No, I don't have him. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the gentleman thing. <laughs> How you doing, Bobby? I'm doing good, buddy. How you doing? Good, man. Good. Great to great to have you here in well, the thank studio. Well, man. I've been listening to you. You talk about some good things and playing some good music, and so uh, everything's good around. I come in and find some good-looking ladies uh, around me, and they looking good. Because I hadn't gotten to you yet. You know? <laughs> I'm trying to find a God, way to get express, back here. express my how I feel about you. <laughs> oh, man. Come on. Don't make me blush. Yeah, yeah. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great, man. What an honor and a pleasure, man. I was, I was checking out the tune. I know uh, you and... How you doing? It's Dan. Good to see you. How you doing? Are it's you Carl. With the blind dog. With blind yes, dog. sir. Yes, sir. And I was checking out the song that Carl wrote that uh, that you just recorded with Dr. John. Yes. And you guys are doing a, a benefit tomorrow, right? Tomorrow at night. Hall right. for Crime Stoppers. Crime Stoppers. It was a great thing to do, you know. Yeah. It's, it's a great thing to do, but we sad we had to do it for, for Crime Stoppers. But, you know, we hope it was the other way around. But since it's that way around, we're glad to be involved with it. Well, I'm glad that you're here in town helping out. Now, you're, you're a Louisiana native. Yes, right? yes, yes. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm, I'm a coon, whatever the, the other word is. You know? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you, you grew up in North Louisiana, Yeah, right? yeah, I grew up in North Louisiana. Yeah. But my, my people from the from the bottom, to Homer, Homer. Oh, okay, from yeah. Homer to Homer, Homer huh? Homer to Homer. All right. I, yeah, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Homer and a Homer. Right. And I'm a junior. The senior was a, uh, a Homer and yeah. the junior up a Homer. I hadn't thought about gotcha, it. Like gotcha. yeah. And, yeah, and your father was a preacher. My correct? father a preacher. And yeah. uh, my real name is Emmett Ellis Jr. The reason why I changed my name because of the respect I had for my father. And what he meant so much to me, he was probably uh, probably the most influential person in my life that ever uh that ever I got anything from to sing and do what I do. Because being a preacher, respect I had for my father, he never told me to sing the blues, but he never told me not to. So he he was okay with you Absolutely. singing secular yeah. music, yes. even though he was you a know. man of the church? Yes, yes, yes. And, and at a very young age, you were out there running your own bands. You were an entrepreneur. Yeah, you 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 you, you saw. Hey, Didn't have no mustache. I put me some mustache mm-hmm. on, man. I had some boo man shoe mustache. I was going in the club. <laughs> I was going to the club and, and, and the guy and, and one time I, the guy bust me because I didn't stick it on right. One of them kind of fell down. He said, "Hey man, your mustache crooked." <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't put you out. He didn't huh? put me out of the club. I straightened it back up. He knew what time it was. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't old enough to be in there. But hey, I had mustache, man. Hey, there you go. Bought and mustache. You a, and you had a band. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I had a band. Had yeah. a band. Uh, I got I formed a band beer early because. Uh, I probably was the worst player in the band, but I owned the equipment so they couldn't find me. It was my band. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> a good way to learn. Huh? I had Elmo James, Freddie King, the guys who could play well, playing for me. You know, that's fantastic. So this that's, is this yeah. is in the early fifties, oh, early fifties oh, yeah. in Chicago. I, I started right? I started nineteen fifty one. You know, I had a band very very early, and uh, 
in, in, in Arkansas, matter of fact, and I kind of migrated mm-hmm. to Chicago early. And I lived there for 47 and a half years in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I was there. When I got into Chicago, Muddy Waters was there. Uh, Little Walters was there. Willie Dixon was there. John Lee Hooker was there, but he wasn't with Chess. He was at C.J. Records. Now, C.J. Records is a company that was owned by a sister and a brother, Calvin Carter and Vivian Carter. Later on, she got married to she got married to Jimmy, who owned a record shop in Gary, Indiana, called Jimmy Record Shop. And then they changed the name to V.J. Record. That was Vivian and Jimmy, but it wasn't V.J. Record in 1951. It was, was one of the first major black. Oh yeah, yes. Then come Motown. Yeah. Then come Phil International. Mm-hmm. And and of course they had Cobra Records there in Chicago, uh, which uh, was Otis Rush when all the guys was on. Yeah. And then come Delmark. Delmark come later on down the line. Uh, in nineteen fifty one, I was there. Then Buddy Guy came in nineteen fifty seven. Uh, so did Elmo. Uh, so did Elmo James came in fifty seven, but he married, he went back to Memphis. Uh, Etta Jane came in 1957. Uh, fifth, 1953, Chuck Berry come. 1954, Pick Me Malcolm come and Mom Mabley. So I think Chuck Berry and I are only the only one to live in to know the story. I know when everybody came, everybody left. Yeah, as a matter of yeah. fact, a, a friend of yours from way back when I uh, was talking to yesterday uh, sends his greetings. He says, you would know him as Junior. His name is Benny Turner, <laughs> Freddie King's just, little just, brother. I know, it, I, got, God, I know it when he was born, man, honestly. Yeah. He had a Freddie King brother. He's a yeah. bass player and a, a good bass player. He he knows me well. I know him from when I said when he was born. I know him when he was uh, just a seven, eight-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His family first came I know. Chicago. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Really from Texas, uh, yeah. Freddie from Texas, from Texas came. Uh, I believe he came about the same time I did, because I was then 51, I, but I didn't meet Freddie until 1952 or 53. When you got there, you had already been running your own bands prior to that. As you said, you, know, you, you outfitted your own band, you had your equipment. When you got to Chicago, were you, were you working right away? Yeah, I was I was awake before I came to Chicago. So when I came to Chicago, I had already been uh, been working in Arkansas, a uh, little little place like that. I'm turning my phone off so it won't interrupt us. I had been working already into in in the Arkansas. I remember the first gig I got in Arkansas, headed to Chicago. Elmo James came to uh, my show I was doing in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. I said, Elmo, what you doing tonight? He said, I'm not doing anything, man, tonight, but I'm working tomorrow. I said, where are you working? He said, Canton, Mississippi. So I went to uh, went to Canton, Mississippi to see who he was working to get me a job. So while we were there, there was a, a gentleman that I knew, Lee Robertson, very, very well. And his the girl he was dating, he was getting married to her. Elmo Jane said, Barbara, I'll play for you, but you got to give me $40, which was $20 a night. At that time, 1952, 53, I couldn't afford it. That so was this lady, real money back that's real money. So this lady came by who owned this funeral home. So Elmo said, "Wow, who is that?" I said, "That's my friend's uh, bride. Was you getting married to this lady? Getting married, to my friend Lee Robertson was getting married. He was a friend of mine. He said, he said, I'd do anything just to talk to her. I said, and I walked away. I said, anything? I think about this free show." I said, if you do anything, maybe I can get y'all hooked up. This is a bad story. I shouldn't be telling this one. (laughs) 
He said, yeah, I'll do anything. So Lee Robertson had this funeral home. So every week that he didn't have a funeral, he would take me to my gigs. And I would go two or three blocks from my gigs and get out the car because I didn't want nobody to see me getting out of this hearse. So, <laughs> <laughs> so this particular weekend, he wasn't working. He stayed with this man's girlfriend or wife, whatever. And Elmo James would play for me free every other week. <laughs> oh, I'm a businessman. So <laughs> and you know how to sign up the musicians. Yes, you yeah. You know how to get the talent. Yeah, I got But but he was a great guy. And so that's kind of the way I started with my band. So I had this band thing together. And I taken that ideal and all that concept to Chicago. And when you were working with all, with all these guys, and when, you're, when you first get to Chicago in 51, uh, and, you know, the electric sound is still a relatively new thing. You know what? I remember we were, uh, 19, I remember up to 1963, the first time I went to Berlin, with, with Muddy Waters, and we both got booed off the stage because they were expecting these black guys from 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 uh, Chicago sounding like what they perceived us to be, which were like with white socks on, oh baby, blah blah blah. And I guess we were sounding like that, <clears throat> but Mother Water had on a green suit, so did I. You know, you know that at that yeah. time. We was like flashy kind of a guy to be blues yeah, guy. You weren't they gonna get up in overalls. Yeah, they wouldn't look. No, they wouldn't. They weren't looking for this kind. They were looking for somebody in overalls and you yeah. follow me. But Muddy Water had a towel. He was clean, mm-hmm. and I had some zoo suit on. Yeah. We was clean. They weren't looking for that. Then we had the electric guitar. They weren't looking for that, and they thought we were some kind of. They booed us, man. Oh man, yeah. they, they, you didn't. You didn't. You don't sound like American American guy. You know. Yeah. You know. You know, <laughs> later on, they, later on, they they at the music and us up and and all all the all the guys with that will start to kind of copper what Muddy Waters and Hollow Wolf was doing, man. But you and, and and Muddy and Wolf, you were all successful businessmen, running your own businesses and running well, running I your bands. I mean, you know, you had you got. I don't know how successful we were, but I know we had fun. <laughs> I, I mean, you you were making a living out there doing your thing. Huh? I remember the first gig that Muddy. Had, uh, introduced me to a guy at the Cotton Club in Argo who was making $4.50 a night, four fifty, and I got a raise to $7 a night, man. I was getting big money. Then, then the main would add a free hamburger, give all us a hamburger. Then we got so good, he would give us two hamburgers. We would eat one and sell one. Then we got to play, we could get three hamburgers. We would sell two and eat one. Then the main would fix us. Eight hamburgers a piece. We would sell three, eat one. Hey man, we were making money. Seventy-five cents for a hamburger and seven dollars. Eleven dollars and fifty cents a night. How much was rent back then? Oh God, man, I was paying like thirteen dollars a month. Right. So yeah. you were making you were making yeah. your rent almost thirteen dollars a night. month. I'm talking about you know this yeah. house thirteen dollars yeah. a month. You know, yeah. two three dollars a day. So if you were if you were making seven dollars a night. Before you were selling burgers, you were making your rent in two nights. Oh anyway, God, right? yeah. I, I, I was just like yeah. now. It was just see, seven dollars then was like uh, fifty dollars now. You know, yeah. you know, you know, yeah. like fifty dollars. Cause now we was doing every. Cause now every now and then we would get lucky and and have a couple of ladies to take us by the house, and so we didn't in the, on the road where we didn't have to pay the hotel and the whole bit. Yeah. You know, you know, after you jump out the window a couple of times when she yeah. said she didn't have no one and, and somebody come <laughs> home, you know. <laughs> they had that to happen a couple of times. So, so you don't need a hotel or an exercise room. Well, you, you know? need an exercise, but you don't need a hotel because <laughs> you, you need to know how to jump out the window and run and be on yeah. your feet, you know. Yeah. But that happened. That's, that's yeah. happened. You know, that happened. You know, and, and life is life, man. I had a good time uh, coming up doing what I'm doing. I had some ups and downs, but I 
I made a lot of mistakes, but I learned from them. So they're really not mistakes. They're stepping stones to what you should or should not do. So I'm cool. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know you're listening to WWOZ FM New Orleans, and we are very honored to have the great Bobby Rush here in the studio with us today. Is Dr. John coming as well? He said he'd try, but right. he had a long day yesterday. Right. He hung out with me. Uh, Dr. John, just my friend, he hung out with me. You know, uh, he's so young and and uh, energized, so he's probably just somewhere getting his energy built up for the night. He got to do some, some things tonight that he won't tell us about, you know. Uh-huh. Like, but you guys have a big event tomorrow. <laughs> yes, you're gonna be you're gonna be doing a benefit for crime stoppers. For crime stoppers, and the, and the and the single release for another murder in New Orleans, written by Carl Gust- Gustafson. Right. Right? Yeah, and and oh, two two writers right here, yeah. and the producer of it. You know, yeah. oh, fantastic! Uh, it was a great experience working yeah, with uh, right with Bobby and Mac, Doctor John on it. Thrilling, and uh, we got what we were looking for in Crime Stoppers fell in love with the tune next thing we know we're doing a benefit and uh here we are and it's tomorrow night seven to ten at generations hall and you you guys have your whole band here right yeah we got the whole band blind dog smoking and where are you guys based out of these guys the band is based out of la i live here now i believe all of them all of them from from some parts of california isn't it right yeah california yeah and uh, los angeles and san diego a little bit of Wyoming in them. Yeah. They are, they, they're all West. They all, they all look like they came from West. And you got, you, you've worked with their band. Oh, yeah. They just, yeah. I work with it. You know, we come to have a good relationship with the band. Cause is my personal friend. And I, uh, cause he called me the old man, but he's the oldest. You know. Oh, I, I forgot about the fuck. Uh, <laughs> but we, but, but, but Carl did some great things with this. Let me tell you a story about this song that, down uh, murder, murder. murder. Yeah, we have a copy of it. Yeah. We have we, the copy, the copy of the CD. Yeah, I tried to this, download it. This we have it. You don't have to download it now. We have it. Oh, it's the right. second track. Right? This it's cut by Donna Louisiana because I'm from Homer, Louisiana, and 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 when Carl brought wrote, brought the song, he said I got this song about murder down in New Orleans. And I was just kind of leery with it. And I told him the truth about it. I don't know whether I want to sing that song or not because I don't want to put Louisiana down. I'm a, I'm a lover of Louisiana, man. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm here. You said something about Louisiana, you got to fight out of me, you know. And, but he wasn't talking about something negative about it. He was talking about what it is. And it's, it's true that we have a lot of things going on in Louisiana that shouldn't be going on. And the thing that we can, can help occur, uh, keep from happening, let's be a part of it, try to stop some of the crime. And so you're down here to do this benefit yes. with Dr. John for Crime Stoppers, and you're debuting this new tune, and uh, we've we've got it loaded into the CD player right now. And uh, is this going to be the world radio premiere? Yes, it, it is. is. Wow. I believe it's the first time we've been on the, on the radio. That's this right. is the first time. Why not start it? Just like we from homeboys, why not start it with home folks? Well, yeah, in a home right. radio station. Yes, indeed. Well, what an honor to be here at WWOZ FM New Orleans today. We're ninety point seven on your radio dial, WWOZ.org, all around the world in cyberspace, and we are here with Bobby Rush. It's Carl Gustafson and yeah. Donnie Mark. Donnie Mark and Donnie Markowitz. Yes, indeed. Three great men of American music here for a great cause, for their benefit at Generations Hall with Dr. John. And uh, we're very proud to play this. Let's see, are there multiple tracks on the? Yeah, oh, yeah, number what, number, what number do we have? Number yeah. two. Number two. 
All right. World premiere, world debut, right here on the Soul Serenade. Bobby Rush with Dr. John. Thanks a lot, Mark. The brand new world premiere here. Right the first time I've been on any air at all. That's You're the first right. one, Mark. Oh, I'm honored. I am honored. And to hear the great Bobby Rush say that right here yeah. on WWOZFM New Orleans. One of the great, great masters of American music from all the way back at the very, very beginning of, of what became known as the modern blues era, all the way through the rock and roll and R&B age, through everything. One of the most dynamic performers in, in all music. One of the great living legends of the blues. Bobby Rush, right here in the OZ well, Studios. Well, I appreciate that. But, you know, beyond uh, uh, all of that accolade, I, I'm, just, I'm just so honored to uh, and honored by uh, Dr. John as being a part of this. And how, did, how did that come about? Let's talk a friendship, little bit about the song. I, I think it's come about. We were just in the studio cutting this song, and I believe uh, I had no idea that he wanted to be a part of it, then had no idea about it. And I, I really don't know how the conversation started between myself and Carl Gerson and, and the three of us. One day we just sat and talked, but wouldn't it be nice if we just got Dr. John to do this? And I know the relationship I have with him. I, I figured if I did call him, he wouldn't say no to it, but I hadn't thought about calling him, honestly. So we called him, and he uh, said anything he could do to help Bobby Rush, he would yeah. do. He wanted to be part of it yeah. because they go back on the Chitlin circuit together. All the way back, what, to the early oh, 60s, God. something like yeah, that? Yeah, man, God. <laughs> so well, We were nothing but teenagers, man, you know. It was a dream come true to have them all together. And Where'd you record it? Well, we recorded the track at... Uh, at Piety Studios, yeah, and Mark Bingham had just walked out of here. And yeah. then we yeah. did the we did Max vocal at Torkinowski's studio. Oh, okay. David, by the way, David Torkinowski's playing on it on the track as well as Shane Terrio. Oh, fantastic! Good buddies. So it's uh, you know it was a great experience. Uh, I hear you're gonna you're gonna have a, a hellified guitar player joining you uh, tomorrow. Yeah, Bastard Jackson. Yes, coming indeed. Over. He called me. He's coming over tomorrow and. Uh, and be a part. He was, in fact, Bastard Jackson was on probably about 18 or 20 singles, not singles so much as, as records that I recorded in the past also. Yeah. In fact, he one of them was recorded at his studios, at his studio. He's a great yeah, engineer yeah. on oh, top yeah. of being a guitar player. He's a great engineer. Sure, Bastard. I mean, you yeah. got you guys go all the way back to, what, the 70s, oh, early yeah, 80s together? Oh, yeah. He played in my band for about mm. 12 years. Mm. And... Uh, know a lot about me and I know a lot about him so he's a good, he's a good player he's a, he's a good instrument he plays a several instrument but he's a good guitar player yes sir so Vasti Jackson yeah with let's see I mean with, with Blind Dog Smoking Dog is Smoke. the house band featuring Bobby Rush yeah. Dr. John Charmaine Neville James Andrews Rockin' Doopsie tell, tell Doopsie I'm still waiting for my lunch <laughs> yeah and, Glenn and, David uh, Andrew too and Glenn David and Deacon John and Sun Pie and uh, who's Shalea? Shalea. And it's going to be a lot of people that's not even named. It's not only going to be show. They're going to show up because the guys are going to, they're going to show up, you know. Shalea yeah. is a new artist from California that we're, I want everybody down here to hear. She's a talented singer. She's, she just did a record featuring Stevie Wonder on it. And uh, so she's going to bring some class to the show. Great. 
fantastic, great, great fantastic. Great. And speaking of show, for anyone who's ever seen Bobby Rush, everyone knows that Bobby Rush puts on one of the most amazing and dynamic and energetic and fun and off-the-wall and unique shows in all of American entertainment, certainly in the, in the blues. Bobby, when did you start developing your, your famous stage show? Ah, God, I guess... I don't know. I don't know why it's so famous, but I, I just started doing what I do at an early age. I always, uh, when I got on the stage, I didn't imitate anyone, but I liked it a lot of people. I liked it Howling Wolf because his his growly, howling voice. I liked it Muddy Water because he was so dressed so dap. I liked it uh, Ray Charles because he was such a great uh, vocalist. I liked the B.B. King because he was so sustained about what he was doing. I liked it Little Walter because he was so swift with his heart. I respected uh, a lot of a lot of heart players, Junior Parker mm-hmm. and Sonny Ball. I said respected. I didn't say I loved the music. I respect them, and they was good at what they do. I liked the storytelling. It's so many guys that I like in this business, so I take a little of this, a little of that from the guys, and I put them in a bowl and stir it up. And you get a Bobby Rush, you know, and because there's so many guys. And being from Louisiana, man, you know, the Louis Jordan's thing, man, was mm-hmm. my favorite writer. And, uh, you know, you know, Sats was my favorite guy that I I thought he took nothing and made something out of it because, you know, the vocal thing to me at them days, I didn't think he was the greatest vocal, but he wound up showing me that, hey, he knew he had the thing, man. Louis Jordan was one of the all-time great oh, writers and entertainers. Did, oh. did you see his show many yeah, times when I, you were young? Yeah, well, when I was young, I went yeah. to see it. That's where I really got my strength from, from, from what I saw him do and, and what he projected through his writing. He talked and about monkeys and baboons and chicken chickens. And, 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 yeah. and so did and I. Drinking yeah, and yeah. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. It's, it, it's 2.30 p.m. You're listening to WWOZ-FM New Orleans. This is the Soul Serenade with our very special guest, Bobby Rush. And I hear we have another special guest at the door. Carl, would you be yeah. kind enough to let the gentleman in? Thank you, yeah. All right. Well, let, let, me, let me say before we end this uh, conversation with you, let me well, thank I, you for I what you have done. Let me thank you for what you have done. Let me thank you for what you've done, what you plan to do. Because uh, uh, it's, been a, it's been a great thing. Oh, granddaddy just walked in the door. I call him granddad. I should call him crawdad. <laughs> now, he knows what I'm talking about. As I was saying earlier, man, this, is, this has been one of the greatest uplift points in my life for Dr. John to be involved with me with this. And uh, the song was one thing. Carl and Dana wrote a great song. But without someone coming in to enthuse me about the song, I don't know what I would have did as great of a job that I did with it. So I'm hoping Carl was satisfied what I did. But since if he not, if he, if he, if he, if he like it, I love him. If he don't, I don't really care. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, you know what, Bobby? You 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 a piece of work no matter what you do. You can't help yourself. And and you that's one of the blessings about Bobby Rush. He been himself from day one yeah. all the way through it all. And you know what? That is a blessing. And the, well, if if you. we can just be us, yeah, we could do a lot of things. That's Dr. John Mac Revenak here in the studio with us telling you about it. And, and 
tell me, uh, when when Bobby when 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 these folks called you to contribute to this record with Bobby Rush, what was your reaction? Well, until I heard the song, <laughs> and then I give them some some hip reviews on it. Right. But until see, I don't believe nothing until I hear. Yeah, that's right. And that's. It, that's why I'm able to keep on this side of dirt. Because right. I ain't going for the Oaks no more. That's right. I, it's that's right. like there was a day in time I went for the Oaks about anything. Yeah. That ain't going to happen today. I want to see what the hell they got. That's and right. hear what they got. And if I don't feel what they got, I ain't I, doing it. That's that's, that's mm-hmm. me, you know. But you, you know, see, see, when he comes in with the song, I told you when he come with the song. First, he said, "Well, I got a song about uh, murder in New Orleans." I said, "I don't think I want to do that." I told him to his face, "He's my friend." Until I heard it, I mean, I really heard the song, and I had this thing about this because I didn't want to do anything downstroke in New Orleans. This is my hometown. Don't talk about New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about Louisiana. You know. And so it was when I found out that he wasn't really talking about. It, he was like saying, "Hey, we got to." Do something to help the young kids, to help the old people, and help ourselves to keep the murder out the street. Not just the murder. We got to, we got to talk, because what happened in life, we're we're too quick to say, I don't want to tell that. It ain't none of my business. It ain't none of my child. I don't want to be a snitch. But somebody got to open their mouth. If not, we won't be here, man. Something got to be done. And. It, it, it look, it's this whole thing didn't start yesterday. Yes, this thing back in the game when there was all the problem in the Desire Projects. <laughs> there was uh, between the Florida and the Desire Projects, right. and then there was the problems in the same. <laughs> St. Thomas projects. There was right. probably in, in in the St. Bernard project. That's right. All of them projects had problems, and. I, I remember me and Google Eyes one morning we was going to a, a Mardi Gras function and a SWAT team surrounded the Lafitte projects. Now, we wasn't expecting to see a SWAT team That's right. on a carnival day. I mean, you, you rarely see the police out anytime on a carnival day. But that was a trip. And then later that day, Somebody fired, I mean, they popped some caps at me and G, or we don't even know that. But we just kept walking because we was ossified out of our brain cells. But the point is how, like, uh, I knew that because uh, uh, Herman Roscoe Ernest, my old drummer that passed away, said to me, hey, I hit the ground when I heard somebody popping some caps. After that mess, it, it, right, right at right. the Lafitte Projects, and, and Google Eyes was staying with his auntie over there. And I never thought anything about it in them days. But that's what I'm talking about. I ain't going for the Oaks no more. That's right. <laughs> well, you, you, I mean, you know what it's like to be on the wrong end of a bullet, right? Oh, I've been shot a few times. I've been shanked a few times. And it it don't make me feel no better to be that because it starts aggravating me today. But, you know, speaking of that, see, when uh, 
Dr. John and I was young. We we played in hunky tonk, played in places. We didn't think about the the dangers of it then. So that's why we here to let people know this is a dangerous situation. And we get people still live in these kind of atmosphere, these kind of places where they don't fear it, but there's some dangers in it. Because so we tell you now, we've been through this. We played in places, man. Come on, you have to. You have to you, oh man, come on. You know, the people shooting in the place, and five minutes later, we back on the stage playing again. After, after you know, I'm drugged hey, up, swept the blood up, you know? Bobby ain't telling you nothing wrong. There was a drink, and I think it was in a Chitlin' Sega back in the game, and what I remember, I saw two feet sitting up. Yeah. I went to the bathroom in the club, and all the cats said, don't go there. And I, I listened later. <laughs> but <laughs> way later, because but I had a little flashlight and I flashed it, and what I figured out, the guy that shot this guy right in his forehead had to either been a drummer or could have had a great sense of time, because he shot the guy in the back beat because nobody heard that shot, mm-hmm. and snare, huh? that was amazing for, to me. Yeah. But it, this is crazy that. I ain't thinking about the guys dead yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're just thinking about the smooth timing of the shooter, yeah. huh? Yeah. But l- let me ask you this. I mean, both of you guys with 50-plus years in the business, yeah, and you're coming up from the rough-and-tumble world of, of, of the early days of rock and roll and rhythm and blues, and when, you know, this was serious business, and everything you've seen in the development of music and the, the things you probably never thought about then. What does it mean to you now, all these years later, to be able to use your stature as musicians to say we're coming out together, we're coming together to make a statement about this, to try and to try and and and, and create some kind of solution for this craziness? Well, if this could happen, it's a blessing to the city of New Orleans. That's one thing I know, <laughs> and. I know Bobby got some more hip maneuvers to share about this. Well, I, I think it's I think the one thing that's great about it that we coming out and saying we want to be a part of as entertainers, we want to be a part of the verbal thing about getting some things done. The first thing if you think about Doctor John and I doing this together, you got to understand the black and the white guy doing this together. So that's a, that's a that's one link of a unit already. That's one hurdle we already over. Now we're talking about doing it for all children. We're talking about everybody who's involved to come forward, tell what you know. Not to be a snitch, to save somebody's life. Because this is what it's about. Because if it ain't me, it could be you. If it ain't you, it could be me. I got somebody, somebody's child. Because I'm tired of looking at people and say, well, that ain't none of my child. I don't care. I'm just going back to drinking the beer or whatever they're doing. And because it's all our business. Don't, don't tell you about it. So it ain't none of my business. Let them have it. It is our business. It's all our business. We want to make a dent. We want to make a statement. Because Dr. John and I together from the same home state, we're making the statement that people can get along with each other. And people can help their community by we can, but this, 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 You can help yeah. the community. I mean, Crime Stoppers has been out there for, for years now trying to get community involvement to, to help people. Yeah, solve these problems in their own community. It's, help people them help themselves. It's 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 a sad thing on society that that we need something like a crime stoppers to stop some of this stuff. Because I remember way back, and it's maybe 
15 years ago, but uh, uh, I think it was, uh, uh, I was with uh, uh, maybe 17 years ago, but I was still with uh, a Warner Brothers label, and they took me to see where I used to live in, in, in the project, and took them down by the Desire Projects, and they had a shooting, and they had to, they just... If you saw these guys want to get out of there fast, (laughs) (laughs) it was like, hey, you know, I was kind of used to it of it, but it hit my nerve that they were so paranoid about it. Mm -hmm. And that's something you got to consider because some people that ain't seen a lot of murders and ain't Mm -hmm. seen a lot of stuff, and me and Bobby's just seen it all because. We worked in them joints, and that's that's that was the trap, and we didn't know it. See, and, that's a fight. We didn't see. Um, that's the word. We didn't know. We didn't know to be afraid of. The, when we was young men, we didn't we didn't know we was in trouble, in dangerous, man. We didn't think about it. Someone popped a gun. We just said, look around a little, not like this, quick. We just look around casually. Yeah, somebody else <laughs> shooting. Could have been shooting at us. A song we know. We didn't, we didn't think about it like that. You I know? used to use, uh, when they used to put the slot machines <laughs> on the stage, I used to use them slot machines to duck from when they start popping caps in the club. <laughs> in the club. <laughs> and that, that was my little security maneuver. I'd be ducking low. And <laughs> when they start popping caps a lot, yeah, that was what I did. But they had a lot of one-on-one bandits up on the stage to, yeah. to duck behind. But yeah. now, that's illegal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you, yeah. we don't have <laughs> certain things that kept us alive then. Yeah. I remember right across the river, Specs Moulin Rouge. Yes. And Specs, he was a, a nice guy, yeah. and he took care I remember he used to have three bandstands in the in specs, and he had. I remember at one one gig I, I was playing it, and uh, uh, um, I think it was Frogman Henry, Frog Joseph, and there was uh, 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 I was backing up Frankie Fold, but that was like that was three bands. Playing on three stages and the music never stopped. One band at end the set and the next band pick up the, the, the song, the break song. Twenty twenty twenty. And it was, and it was like that was a cool gig back then. That's right. It was one, but when they start popping caps up in there and all the street gangs over there. Whether it was the Choctaw Bars, the Cherokees, Cherokees and all, the they just start popping caps at each another. And then Wrong the security guy would start popping caps back <laughs> at him. So you're in the crossfire. And, well, you just don't know where you're at. But the funniest thing I remember is one of the guys, he, I think he was either a Choctaw or a Cherokee, said, Oh, uh, let me finish my beer before you put me in jail. And I'm yeah. thinking, this guy's bleeding all over the place. He just got shot twice, yeah. and he's bleeding. <laughs> he want to get his beer and out. And he won't finish that beer. <laughs> yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah. But that's then. 
And we, yeah. we went through the whole own kind of thing. I remember Freddie King, before that was, uh, Freddie King was with me then. That's, uh, we called him Junior, the bass player, his brother. Benny uh, Turner. Benny Turner was playing in this club. So mm -hmm. Freddie and I and Elmo James, and they come in to start the club up. They wasn't sticking us up. We stuck a club, and so the guy had the machine gun come out to the phone booth and all in the place. And so you know, everybody just be cool. They was they was had business with the owners, not with us. Mm -hmm. So Freddie King and Luther Allison brother, guitar player Luther Allison was this young boy standing on the stage. We stood there about thirty minutes. He said, "Man, I'm tired. I'm gonna sit down." And he went to sit down. The guy thought he was going for a gun. He stuck the gun. Through this, this side of the mouth and come out the other side of the mouth, that thing, mm. just like that, you know. And Freddie King and I were just sitting there, just looking at it bleeding, and we wanted to help him. He said, "Now don't you move." We couldn't move or help him because they had a gun on us, you know. And as soon as they walked out the door, wiped the blood up, played again, another show. Let me, let me ask you something. Uh, I, let me tell the world it's 2.45 p.m. You're listening to WWOZ-FM New Orleans, your jazz and heritage station for the Crescent City, worldwide on the web at WWOZ.org, 90.7 FM right here in town. We are with Bobby Rush and Dr. John McRebinack here talking about their new single that they're going to have the release party for and a benefit for Crime Stoppers for tomorrow at Generations Hall. What time does it start? 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock. 7 p.m. 7 p.m. And what an honor to have you guys in the studio. And I want to ask you, now that you've been telling these, you know, people don't, a lot of people don't know, the early days of rock and roll and rhythm and blues were as crazy as anything hip-hop showed us, and the environment was just as crazy, I know. And you guys were I think it might have been a little crazy. <laughs> oh, yes. I, it, the fact of, of the matter is, we were in an environment where people got shanked, shot, and then clock with brass knucks. Anything was a possibility back then. And I don't think you see that so much, much. no more. You might see it a little bit, but you don't see it. As much of it. I think it's a good thing. I, I, but I think you're right, you know. Let me ask you this. Now, you know, back then getting into music was getting into the thick of it. But since then, I know... You know, you guys have both helped raise and influence generations of musicians. I know you were tight with Danny Barker, who put so much effort into coming to New Orleans and re reviving a musical culture to help keep kids off the street. And now that you guys are both elder statesmen of, of what you do, and you've, you've raised and influenced so many generations of musicians, and you're here speaking on behalf of Crime Stoppers to try and help reduce the violence in the community. What are the things that you guys have done and want to see happen with music to help help bring some healing to this and help help get kids and get people away from the from the criminal lifestyle? Well, being you mentioned Danny Balker, I'm going to bring this up because Danny used to bring Cousin Joe, Google Eyes, all these cats up. In fact, he got Huey Smith, uh, Earl King, Hurricane all of them cats, their first record deals, not out of here, but out of New York and New Jersey. Yeah, <laughs> Dave Dixon too, and and Dave, uh, uh, but all of these guys, Danny got just got them all up there yeah. and did records, 
And even if they cut them here and they sold them to a, a master right, right, right. today, it didn't matter because these guys were catching a break that they couldn't get locally. That's right. And that was a blessing. All I remember when Google Eyes drove back here, and this was in the 40s, and he said, Hey, kid, come ride in my car. He says, let all your friends see you. He had a two-tone purple car that you never saw in the city of New yeah. Orleans. It was like a, some kind of foreign car. But it was two-tone purple with zebra skin interior and back. And all of the trunk was covered with zebra skin. I don't know if it was real zebra skin. It wasn't skin. no zebra. It probably was a mule. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, we ain't gonna talk about that thing. But <laughs> Bob, you kick. But the fact was, he just let me ride in that car and wave at my little partners in the streets yeah. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I, that was made me feel good because yeah. just because my pa used to fix uh, Dookie Chase's yeah. The, the 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 PA system over there, and I knew all of them people from Google mm-hmm. or all of the rest of them. That and Dookie was a good guy. It, back in the game, these people was respected all over the planet. You know, to add to that, I'm 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 just saying that we're talking and laughing, but I want to. I hope we influence young people to stay get with the music if they're not in it. If they're in it, don't get discouraged about it because. <clears throat> You know, I, I hear older people, especially my age and, and older, talking about the rappers. I don't. I'm not uh, endorsing all the things that rappers do and say, but but they doing what they know to do. It's like writing a book. You can only write about what you know about. And we're talking about the rap. Not even even. I'm not endorsing with the pants hanging down. But one thing for sure, if you if you wit with the head level. If your head level come up, the pants will come with it. You, you, you follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you got to work on the head level and see what the head level is. Because when you, someone was talking about, well, I remember when B.B. King put out Sweet 16. I think he was about 40, 50 years old. I think you get put in jail for, for that. <laughs> Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. Holler Wolf talked about he wore his 44 so long, made his shoulder so. He's going to kill somebody about his woman. That ain't rap. I don't know what it is. What I talk about. My first first gold record was Sue. I was talking about she was 15 years old, little across the railroad track. But that ain't too old. I think you can go to jail for that. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, we, so I don't, you know, it's like, it's like a bathroom. When I was a boy, we didn't have no inside toilets. We had outside toilet. And my daddy made a toilet with two seats in it, like somebody coming in there with you. You know, and I doubt that, you know. Mm-hmm. The point I'm getting to is, now we have the bathroom made fabulous, smell good in them. But guess what? You do the same thing in them. That ain't changed. You know, mm-hmm. that ain't changed. So what I'm talking the music just changed the formula how it's put together. Nothing ain't changed about the kids. Let's stop putting these kids down about what they do. Let's try to get their head level up so the pants will come with them and they can do the music and do it good and be and be a writer about the people who listen to it. Hey, I, I I don't knock any of because I had a, I had a hip hop record in in nineteen eighty something that Duke Booty did for me and yeah. and uh, 
I'm very proud of that record, and yes. and and I know this: if Joe Adams hadn't heard that record and knew it was a hit on another <laughs> label, he would have. And he, because of being gangster, he was. Yeah, yes. He just got that record. It it was '65 with a bullet in the charts, and it just disappeared, disappeared from the charts. Right. Poof! There yeah. goes perspiration, and that's that's line. That's where it is. You know, what you going to do? But I, look, I was proud of that record. It was called Jet Set. Jet Set. But we had another record coming out behind it that never came out because a joke. But that's how life is. I saw uh, his not, wife, Sylvia, game, at the, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I saw her at the uh, uh, Stevie Wonder thing I did that I always carried this bag around with me because Stevie gave me that bag. At the at some songwriters thing, be, uh, whatever it was, and uh, I'm proud of that. It's I'm, I'm a sentimentalist. That's what cousin Joe used to tell me. He yeah. said you're a sentimentalist, and I said yeah, and I thought it was something classic. I didn't know <laughs> what 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 he meant, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I looked up the word, I said why well, it's, it's still not so bad. I like it. But you never know how words and, and songs relates to you. And I never told him that what I'm about to tell him. I always talk about being at the right place at the wrong time, wrong time, right now. You know, I kind of burst him back his song. And I would done the song, if that's the way you like it. So every time I talk to Carl, he would always say, well, that's the way you like it. I like it. <laughs> but for all the years, when I talk to people, most times I say, yeah, I'm at the right place at the wrong time, at the wrong place at the right time, about your song. And I kind of relate to that. When I talk to people, <laughs> you know. You never know how how you reach people. No, that was one of my favorite songs of him. You know, our life is always off the hook, and and and, and we can't ever hang no jackets on it. But we blessed to be able to yeah. play music. We blessed to be doing stuff. And look, I don't know how long whether. I think I've been playing music sixty years. I think Bobby been playing. I don't know. Yeah, close to it. Close to it. I'm, I'm, I, I was trying to count my age up because I, I, I recorded uh, 1951 because I was six months old when I recorded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you know what? Hey, the funniest characters. thing about when you record it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I had a mule with stripes on it. You thought it was a zebra. <laughs> This guy, he's got the greatest stories, man. We, that's another story altogether. I've been yeah, laughing all night about that. All together, too much. <laughs> and let me let you know, it's 2.55 p.m. Right. You're sitting with Bobby Rush and Dr. John here on 90.7 WWOZ-FM. My name is Mark Stone, having the time of my life with these gentlemen here. They are performing a benefit for Crime Stoppers and for the debut of their new single, Another Murder in New Orleans, written by Carl Gustafson and... and Donald Markowitz, who are right here with us today at Generations Hall tomorrow with uh, a whole cast of, uh, I think you would say, characters. <laughs> characters, <laughs> yeah, I like that. Bobby yeah. Rush, Dr. John Vastai Jackson, Rockin' Doopsie, James Andrews, Charmaine Neville, Deacon John, Sun Pie, and a whole bunch of yet-to-be-named uh, cool. suspects there tomorrow. Gentlemen, I want to thank you so much. I'm going to play another track from Bobby Rush's new record to get us to the top of the hour. And, Donald, what do you want to let us know? Number one? Number, Number two. Number one, Decisions. 
Nugs number two, number, number two. two. Let's number not do two. that again. And keep it locked right here. We got <laughs> some of the greatest musicians in the world in the studio today, and we got even more special stuff coming up in just a moment. Thank you for being here with us at WWOZFM New Orleans. Making other scenes. 